0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast it's extremely nice to be here sitting back comfortably talking to you on this beautiful um, cloudy day man the weather's been so good in Bangalore I finally can enjoy it because this year you know I got spoiled compared to last year you know last year was raining all the time and I was like oh it's beautiful I in fact like the gloomy weather I like it when it's raining a lot because I'm indoors I'm chilling it's not like I'm hustling in traffic and I'm subject to the elements but you know I know it's a, it's a weird thing to say, but this year I was expecting the same thing, you know, chilly weather, bring out the hoodies and chill. Um, but no, it was a hot, hot summer. And now, of course, there's flooding, not, not too many flooded floods in Bangalore yet. But I've realized there's a real benefit to sitting comfortably and understanding how cool it is to be comfortable. Um, because, you know, honestly speaking... There, there is this thing, this feeling of guilt when you are comfortable, right? Like, am I not doing enough? Should I be doing more? Should I uh, take up new things to keep myself busy, or should I be more productive? Should I work on myself, work on my performance, get more um, out of myself, squeeze myself for more? You know, honestly speaking, it's a personal thing, right? Because I um, feel like at times, like I'm not doing enough because. When I compare myself to the uh, days when I used to go out three, four times a week uh, for shows and I would get on stage and the the perception was that I was doing more because I was earning um, more money through these shows, but I'm doing, uh, not doing those things now. I'm at home 90% of the time. I step out uh, three, four times a week to do other stuff, you know, mainly go to the driving range practice, the golf, Um, do this podcast, which of course thank you for listening. And I, you know, spend time with my baby. And I also work in small things. But there's this sense that if you don't have a steady source of income, that you're not doing much, you're unproductive. And I I get it, you need to earn money, I suppose that's a very important thing. But there's this thing that you've been told that if you're not out of the house by eight or nine, if you're not at a desk, if you're not doing something constantly, either on a computer, whether you're not sending out emails, all these things contribute to this idea of seeming more busy, more productive, and as a result, a person who's more successful, not even successful, a person who's more um, engaged. And I don't agree with that, because I feel in many ways that I've, um, you know, got to a place where I could do more, I could do a lot more, maybe I could be uh, on my feet, quote unquote, uh, doing things that seemingly contribute to the whole. But I don't know, I'm at this place right now where I've chosen to be, I'm, I think, very comfortable uh, at points bored and at points even thrilled to do what I'm doing. So I enjoy what I do. I feel guilty for that. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Why am I feeling guilty for not uh, being out there all the time? And I, I, I get it. But here's the other thing, right? Being bored, you do things like, I mean, distractions maybe but I I love listening to a lot of audiobooks and maybe to a fault like because I read a lot of books and um, sometimes I'm like is this is this too relaxed or is it too good to be true and that thought preoccupies me quite a lot of the time but um, anyway that was just something I was, I was thinking about because this whole idea of being comfortable and like getting out of your comfort zone, I get it, right? For each of us, our comfort zone is different, right? For some people, it could just be going to work every day is very comfortable. It's a salary. It's a job, which is perfect, right? Perfect for you. Uh, for, for other people, it could be being with other people is comfortable, like being alone is very uncomfortable for many people. Or for some people, it's, uh, you know, having this sense of routine, which is very important, which is very comfortable for them. So, so each person has a thing. And... Many times you're told to get out of that because that's when you face things that make you uncomfortable, this place of discomfort that challenges you to do things, which is also great, but it's, of course, a personal choice. And I I, I understand what it it takes to be challenged and overcome certain, um, well, I wouldn't say discomfort and adversity are the same thing, but to whether it's picking up a new skill, whether it's leaving something that has been giving you a source of comfort and a source of uh, sense of being feel, feeling settled, uh and, and going into a place where you feel unsettled, where you feel a little threatened or you feel a little un you know, I wouldn't say unstable, but you feel a little uh, uneasy. I mean these things are good. I don't think you have to constantly do it. Some people appreciate it, some people don't, and it's a personal choice. But um yeah, so for me this book thing is great. I love reading books. And there are the thing I wanted to actually talk to you about is this book. Uh and maybe for you it's a series on Netflix or wherever you watch your series or like it could be even a podcast, like you know you listen to these crime uh, th- podcasts, which where you follow the thing from episode one to episode how many ever they do, like serial or some many many like that nowadays. There's this sense. I, fi- I just finished reading this book. Uh, it's the Cartel trilogy by Don Winslow, and I couldn't read, get the first book; it wasn't available on Audible. But I finished the second and the third, and they're pretty long books. And I just finished it this morning, and there's this sense of loss. There's this like kind of this emptiness in me because the character was so strong throughout the book. And it feels like it's almost like you're parting from him. Uh, and, and, and it could be for any other character in any other series or books. And this happened for me when I finished the Harry Potter series many, many years back. And I, I almost felt like these friends who I was on a journey with, who I was meeting every day, have suddenly stopped being a part of my life and i would really go back and reread those books just to get that sense of feeling and attachment and a sense of being in that familiar nice environment i almost like when i was reading books i used to feel like i was at hogwarts in you know the gryffindor uh common room uh even though (laughs) i it sounds a bit weird for a 40 year old talking about it but this was not a 40 year old it was younger me um i would just be creepy right like oh yeah but um this happened for a few other books but i'm getting this sense today just feeling like uh, feeling lost feeling like uh, a, a feeling of oh man um i i need to do uh something to distract myself from that uh book because I mean, the book is not in any way like a getaway from reality in fact it was hard-hitting reality about the cartels about the drug wars about poverty about uh sex trafficking drug trafficking it's, it's not like a familiar environment or a comfortable environment for me by in any way but it was just the way the story kind of pulled me in and I was part of it for for close to 60 hours over the course of two books or maybe a little less maybe a little more but it was so kind of pulled me in so far in fact there were moments um over the course of the past week where I actually felt really down I felt really dejected you know because we're hearing all these issues of whether it's the African Americans or the 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 Mexicans or the the Central American gangs and how the prison system is designed to screw these guys over or how some young people who get abused at home go on the streets become junkies or whether it's these huge cartel kind of power shifts where you're just killing thousands of people and you're hanging these kids and families for vengeance it it really weighed on my heart, not to sound like a romantic or a dramatic fuck, but it really made me feel really, really low at points. It really sort of brought me up when there was hope of kind of these, these good guys, or even the justice being served. And the character kind of pulls you in, pulls you in and there are multiple strong characters, whether it's the guy, it's his wife, whether it's these other DEA agents, whether it's this cartel underdog, whether it's this guy who was a hitman, now who's turned into a good guy who's trying to save, these children from pedophiles, it really just sort of dragged me into that world. It kind of immersed me, it wrapped me around. And um, I lived through the motions and the emotions that book had to offer. And it really was so compelling. It was so good. And it was quite an escape in some way and it took me away in many in many in many situations where I was sitting at home comfortable but then I could escape and not run away but maybe run away who knows into this world and be immersed in it be kind of a witness to all these stories without of course the threat of anything happening to me and I think that's what a good storyteller does whether it's through a movie you're sitting safe but you're still kind of being transported emotionally mentally and you're kind of Still feeling all those things that the characters feel without the actual physical harm that comes to you. But it does weigh on you. Uh, And I think that's what is so good, right? That you're able to process these things that are unfortunately happening to so many people in real life where people are being abducted, people are being trafficked, people are being um, subject to these medications which make them addicts and as a result become junkies they people who go through these uh abusive situations so it in some way it it informs you it emotionally takes you to that place without you actually having to experience it which i feel is such a great learning and such a great thing to make you more responsible about the things that you end up doing and the things that you end up practicing in your life and i think that's the beauty of it and i felt sometimes oh you know of course i i read these fast-paced thrillers like mark Greene or tom clancy those are good those are fun but this had kind of that element of that the shooting and the violence but it also had this much deeper thing that um which i enjoy once in a while you know because whether i read casual vacancy and kind of got immersed into that town in england with all its problems and all its drama and all its reality which is kind of a reflection of society or whether it was Harry Potter, which is fantasy, or whether it was Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is a book about magic set in the 1800s. There are certain themes which resonate with us and with me, or maybe you as a human being, whether it's Game of Thrones. There are these things of family ties, vengeance, revenge, all these things that really make us uh, more aware and gives us exposure to these issues or these problems or these possibilities without actually being physically Um, at risk or physically vulnerable but it does take you and I feel the emotional maturity or the emotional experience does make us grow and that's why sometimes when I'm reading so much I don't feel guilty because I think it is such a an important tool an important resource to kind of enjoy and to use and to learn from so I yeah I don't know where I went on that but it felt good and at the same time it felt really sort of hollow at the same time. And I don't know if that uh, happens to you when you watch something for uh, many weeks or many months or it's something you track closely or it's something you really enjoy or it's a, an author or a series in 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 a book. But this one was one of the more recent ones that did that to me. So I did that to me and I thought I would share that with you. So yeah. Anyhow, before I uh, I continue with my my emotional um expulsion of what i'm feeling let me talk about today's guest because this lady is absolutely fantastic penny mallory is my guest on today's episode and she is someone who helps people with mental toughness she's a person who's well overcome a lot of adversity in her early years Uh, she has got to a place where she has done so much for herself and uh, a person who actually was felt so lost who was going from one thing to another, bouncing off the walls, just not finding anything that gave her a sense of purpose, and more importantly, a sense of belonging. And finally, she found a rallying to be something that she really enjoys. And she was, I think, her and her partner were the first women to win in the World Rally Championship, which is fucking fantastic. And then she went on to do so much more, right? She went on to help people on how to deal with adversity, overcome adversity. And she sets herself challenges every possible opportunity she gets and and the best part i found is not just to win and not just to achieve and tell others oh look what i've done whether be it row across the row across the atlantic or run a marathon or climb a mountain or climb one of the highest peaks in the world but what she told me what is really really lovely is that she does it because she sets these challenges for herself uh, for herself to understand what it takes to prepare for that challenge be it preparing for a marathon or climbing a peak you have to do these things that are required for that task required for that challenge and just the 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 process of understanding it preparing for it that's what gives her the joy and more importantly she says the learning that she can apply to her life and then she can grow as a human being and she's someone who really likes doing and I'm sure if you're someone like that or even if you're not someone who likes doing and someone who likes being, you'll really appreciate her story, what she went through, what she's going through and what she does for herself and what she does to feel strong and grow every day. So Penny, if you're listening, I really appreciate you joining me and for all of you listening, thank you so much. I'm sure you'll have a lovely time listening to this conversation and come out on the other side feeling really, really good about Penny's story, and maybe apply that to your life as well. Hey, who am I to say? It's your life. It's your choice. It's your decision. Thank you so much for listening. till next week, goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Penny Madelry, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's a pleasure having you here today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: Thank you. It's uh, quite a story you've you have and quite an experience and a set of experiences you've been through and I'd love for you to talk about that and we, our conversation go around um, everything you've been through and done. But I want to ask you something which I find increasingly um, more frequent in, in in our society today, and that's the word inspirational. Uh, it seems everyone wants to either inspire or be inspired. And it seems that the uh, places that people seek inspiration are very, very, uh, very I wouldn't say common, but they seem more and more that they're cropping up and everyone wants to inspire. And as a result, you have people kind of flocking to certain figures or certain stories more and more. Uh, But from your um, life experience and your journey so far, uh, what has been inspirational for you and what do you um, consider inspiration as?
1: Well, firstly, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Lots of people jumping on the inspiration bandwagon, which I I would hate to be considered part of. But I guess um, what inspires me, the things that you wouldn't necessarily pay any attention to. Mm -hmm. um, People who aren't famous, who achieve extraordinary things. And I meet these people every day. Um, the people that go under the radar that pull mm. it out the bag every, every day, the people that bounce back from disaster and doom and gloom and misery and everything's against them and they just pull through. Th- those unheard of people are the ones that inspire me. Um, and and things like, I going to sound really cheesy, but nature. I love gardening. I love running through the woods. Um, I remember during COVID when I was running, the, the world didn't know the, the nature didn't know COVID was there. And that was mm-hmm. just so refreshing that, you know, the birds didn't know and n- everything around me didn't know that we were in this dreadful situation. And, and that was lovely. So it's really the little things, if I'm honest. Um, the amazing people who nobody seems to get to hear, hear from or hear about. Yeah. It's, it's all the unlikely stuff, the small stuff that, that lights my fire, I suppose.
0: And that's refreshing to hear because I almost feel that there's a certain number of, uh, there's a list of qualities or traits that someone has to display to be considered an inspiration, which I find very narrow-minded. And what you just said, it's not cheesy at all because I think it's it's absolutely um, lovely, right? When you, you, you kind of are able to look at the environment, whether it's a natural environment or maybe just some people that you've created a network of people who are in your life, whether it's by virtue of you know being around, um, maybe you meet them in the store, maybe you meet them at work, but the the unsung heroes, if you want to if you want to call them, but it's so, so. What are some of the traits? Because um, you said yeah, you, you you find joy in gardening, you find joy in taking a run through the woods. Um, I would I don't know if trait is the right word, but what are some of the things um, that give you strength from these sources of inspiration?
1: Um maybe trait is or isn't the right word I don't know but there are qualities in people Mm -hmm. that stand out. Um, I've just listened to somebody at an event and he talked about um, how his two brothers and two friends were killed in an accident and he was up for corporate manslaughter charges and and his, his life has been utterly horrendous but he's cheerful and he's happy he's found a new relationship he's Uh, sorting everything out he's got through the most horrendous horrendous many many years because this stuff goes on for years um so so the qualities that i see in that person are their ability to just take it a day at a time sometimes um keep everything in perspective uh look after themselves enough that they can get through the really tough stuff the fact that they can just keep on bouncing back when most people would give up (sighs) yeah i i I think it's 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 the hope it's the optimism it's the belief in within um humanity (laughs) yeah yeah. um most people are fantastic there's there's a very small percentage of people that aren't so great it's just it's the really simple stuff that changes everything you know um I talk about mental toughness, of course, which I'm sure we'll cover, but you know, it all the stuff you can't see, you can't buy, you can't touch are the things that really matter. Mm-hmm. Your empathy, your self awareness, your, um, your ability to deeply listen, your patience, your, you know, all that stuff. That's the really important stuff. You know, it doesn't matter where you live and how much money you've got and, you know, what clothes you're wearing. It just doesn't matter. And it's easy to get caught up in that stuff. But remembering which which I get to do most days of the week because I speak a lot at events. Just remembering how important your attitude is, your approach, the way you view things, your your continued optimism that it will all be okay. That that's that's the stuff that changes people for the better. I, I think.
0: And you know that's such a um, I wouldn't say interesting. Of course, it's interesting, but I think. In this, in this time where everyone wants to hear these things being spoken about, whether it's on a TED platform or whether it's at a conference or at a corporate get-together where they want to hear speakers like you or speakers in general raise these points and recognize how important they are as opposed to just holding on to the material um, path with the outcome-based uh, system that a lot of us are conditioned to believe is the sort of means to happiness. Well, While that's really good, but I feel... There's a lot of people who just sort of want to hear it, but they don't absorb it because it's nice at an event, which has an open bar after to sit down, yeah. and clap yeah. along going, wow, amazing empathy, consideration, compassion, and then just go like, you know, when's my next raise? <laughs> so, You're I, so I, right. I and I, I find that because, you know, I, I do, I, when I used to do stand up, I used to go for some of these shows and people would see me walking in with my, with my, 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 I wouldn't say my blind cane, but my white stick and, they wouldn't they wouldn't know what the issue was until i spoke about it on stage and i didn't overtly do it because as as you said you know i don't want to be on this inspirational bandwagon because i feel what uh, got me to where i am today is a lot of my mom telling me you know what don't do it because you want to stand out and be inspirational but just live a life that you'd be um content with and of course you know i want to talk to you about all the other stuff that goes behind the scenes which is um a lot of work but you don't call it inspiration you just call it the struggle to live right and that's uh something you do because you want to live not that you want an accolade for it or you want to be recognized with an award for it but in 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 a society like today where everyone has the resources to people uh, like you the talks uh various other people giving talks how how much are we shifting towards this? Because it feels like there are two worlds where there is one world which continues to go on where people are like, oh, I'm pursuing my passion. I'm going to do this, which is great. Which, But again, ends up with the same game of how much did you make? How many views did you get? How popular are you? And again, in the corporate world, that's replicated with bonuses and packages. But at the same time, it's all these people like the god men and the spiritual leaders who are saying these things, right, which have been said for thousands of years, which is empathy, which is about looking within and understanding how being content is not about the material possessions you have, but it's about uh, taking care of your family, people around you, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's so many things which we can go into. But how how much of this do you see? Because you do uh, present publicly very often. So how much is... Just talk and how much of it is noise and how much of it is actually being soaked in by people
1: so let's be realistic people like nice things generally people like yeah. to live in a nicer house than a not so nice house and have nice things around them and i'd rather drive a nice car than a not so nice car i mean let's be realistic it's nice to have nice things but yeah um if, if you've got nothing else <laughs> apart from nice things, that's I think that's when the problems come. Mm. And I I have this amazing privilege of speaking to people. And, you know, there might be 400 people in the room. If I touch one of those people to change one little thing in their life, job's done. Um, I'm never going to please everyone all of the time. And I yeah. think the change happens in people when you just hit a nerve. It may be that I or somebody else in, you know, it could be in, in the supermarket. It could be walking the dog. Um, Just say something that just you go, Oh, hang on a minute. That's what I needed to hear today. Mm. And it's just reminding people sometimes. I mean, most people know this stuff, but it's easy to forget and get caught up in the, in the expense account and the, the business trips and the meetings and the stress and the pressure of the corporate world and life and in general. Really easy to get caught up in that. And, And then sometimes somebody just says something and you stop for a moment. You think, Okay, let me reset. That's what matters. And that's what would make the difference. And yes, I've been thinking about, you know, I've been thinking catastrophically about what could happen, but actually I could, if I wanted to, I could flip this and see things in a very different way. And, and I suppose that's the opportunity that I enjoy is just prompting people, just poking, pod, prodding gently. Mm. And, and that's. I mean, everyone knows that mindset changes everything, and you know this isn't this is not new, and um, it's really difficult to talk about it without sounding cheesy. But yeah. you know, of course, we all know that we could all experience the same thing and all uh, react very differently to exactly the same thing. We're all human. We're all complex. Every single one of us is complex. None of us are going to react to the same thing in the same way, and that's the beautiful thing about humanity, isn't it? That we are also different. Um. So, yeah, just, just, just being able to, to, touch people at the right point when they need to hear something to prompt them to do something they probably know, but they've yeah. forgotten or, or they just needed some, some little push or prompt. That's, I think that's probably, um, the important thing for me. Um, and, and it might, it won't be me on stage. It might be, like I say, the shopkeeper or the, the policeman or the, the, person serving the beer in the pub it could be anywhere or at any time but it's lovely when you come across you hear something or you read something and you think oh i needed that today yeah we all mm. take joy mm. in those little things don't we
0: but uh, that's so special at the same time we're kind of sold that and this is i totally i, I totally and i'm in, in, in agreement with you uh but you know you also kind of forget how important this is and how you need it, right? That, that another, a fellow human being recognizes you, um, either by just saying something kind or saying something that you forgot about yourself. Uh, yet we are constantly told, you know, until you have a footprint which is large enough, especially since both of us are in similar fields when it comes to public speaking and uh, talking, addressing groups. Um, I still used to find some of the most amazing connections when I used to do small comedy rooms, right? It didn't have to be the big festivals or the famous rooms or the um big theaters but could just be a monday night in a small open mic or uh even when i do some talks or something it could be that one person who's shy but they make make it an effort to come and speak to you but as 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 a public i would say personality i'm not that public or that much of a personality but <laughs> you're constantly <laughs> told that oh you don't have your, your social media game you need to use leverage the internet which I, could, I i agree you have to be on it and you have to use it but I, I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on that because you can reach millions of people if you are lucky enough or if you're smart enough or you have a team that gets the, the, the quote-unquote algorithms right. But how, how much of that do you feel is uh, gives you that kind of drive to push your message on the internet versus these kind of interactions that one person or the three people you've changed by just reminding mm. them of what they didn't know or if they've forgotten or something that they wanted to hear from you. Uh, how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, and it's a really good thing because I'm actually quite a shy person. I'd be the person, the last person on the stage. So it's mm-hmm. the same in social media. I, I really wouldn't do it if um, it wasn't part of my job mm-hmm. um, to communicate the stuff that I feel passionately about. So I would be off everything given the choice because mm-hmm. I'm quite private. I don't really want everyone to know what I'm doing and where I am. Mm-hmm. But I sort of have to put it out there to show that I practice what I preach. So um, I do a lot of physical exercise and training. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to trust me and believe me, you need to see that I'm doing it too. So I have to, I put stuff out there. Um, And (sighs) it's very easy to get caught up, isn't it, in social media and how many likes and shares and all that stuff. And it's so time. Thankfully I'm old enough that it doesn't bother me one bit. but I know that for some people it takes over their life and that is so depressing. (laughs) But the the con the concept of being, you know, your day being good or bad is a result of how many likes you get. It's just madness. Um, Mm. so I try, I really try not to get caught up in it and and yeah, I I mean, I I use social media to communicate my, my message. Also, you know, I work for myself, so I need to create business and create opportunities Um, that's, that's, that's the reality of it, but I think it's soul destroying on so many levels and Mm. yeah, I mean, the thing is humans, humans like humans, don't they? We like human connection and the, the current world that we live in is making connections that are pretty fake and pretty vacuous through, well, strangers. We're just meeting strangers and we're, and people are so unkind. Some people um, which I've never got my head around why you would spend time writing mean things on social media, but people do. And, yeah. and that makes me curious, actually. I think you're not, yeah. you don't behave in a mean way unless you're really unhappy. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah,
1: that's probably the root of, of that stuff. But yeah, social media is, is, is I'm not a fan, mm. but I play the game. I take part. Um, that makes me slightly uncomfortable.
0: Mm. You know, that's such a interesting thing that we have people who are s- unhappy with who they are or with their situation and they're just so easily driven to kind of put someone down or, or say mean things or hurtful things about whatever it may be. But they would think twice when they meet someone in the pub and say the same thing to that person, right? Or meet wherever one-on-one. But you clearly have... Um, seen a lot of people and helped a lot of people but i want to talk about uh, go back a few years to um, where, where where what you went through to bring you to where you are today because you help people with resilience mental toughness um so can you kind of paint a picture of because i think this is exactly this right like when you are uh, subject to the, to the to to the, the you know the whims and the validation of strangers online you clearly are um, setting yourself up for a lot of emotional damage if you're not yes. strong enough, you know, a lot yeah, of bashing. That's
1: true. That's true. But, well, I mean, I, I can set the scene of where I came from, but I must do it in the context of this is not an unusual story. Um, I, I meet people, I've just come back from a conference. I don't know, four or five people came up to me and said, exactly that happened to me. So my Mm. story isn't unusual. Um, I'm just stupid enough to stand on the stage and talk about it. But I I came from, um, actually, if I'm honest, quite a white, middle-class, privileged background. Mm. But my mom was um, very mentally ill and a a chain-smoking alcoholic, which is a really horrible mix. Mm. And she spent my childhood in psychiatric hospitals. And so I was sort of motherless. I. I I remember from about seven, sort of, I was looking after her. And that's a really ugly thing for a child to be caring for a parent. Yeah. Yeah. It's so messed up. And it does, it sort of joins the dots for your future because you end up behaving in a way that you wouldn't had you been parented more normally. Um, So I left home at 14. I, I was really in a destructive cycle down. Um, yeah, I was in. I was really unhappy, really angry, really resentful. I just didn't have a normal family, and I just desperately wanted to feel loved and get some attention. So, anyway, I ran away at fourteen. I never went back. <clears throat> I was homeless in London for a couple of years and sofa surfed and heroin addict boyfriend. And I'm drinking now, and I'm stealing now. I'm getting into trouble. My life was not great. I mean, I pulled myself out of all of that because I'd had a dream since I was about six, maybe. I wanted to be a rally driver and this was clearly never gonna happen based on the life I was living. But I went to a rally school, it changed my life. Um, I thought I'm gonna be a rally champion if if it's the last thing or if I do, and and I know now, I didn't know at the time, but I think what was driving me to achieve something that was seemingly impossible based on my current situation, um, was was that I had this deep, intense desire to mm-hmm. to get my father's attention who had disowned me when I left home he said i i don't want anything to do with you you're a disgrace mm. you're, you're you're embarrassing I, I, yeah i don't want anything to do with you so i didn't see my dad for 20 years and i thought if i could be a rally champion maybe i could win his affection attention so that drove me and that's looking back how i started to develop mental toughness i didn't know that it was a thing i didn't know i never heard of mental toughness till 5 years ago and then mm all the pieces landed. And I thought, wow, this is me. Mm. So I'd, um, I suppose, against the odds, went from a homeless kid to a rally champion. And I I sort of ended up in a car that's one of the best in the world at the time. And part of a team I never dreamt of, you know, I I completely blew myself away with what I was able to do. Um, And then of course you get addicted to adrenaline and Mm -hmm. setting a goal and accomplishing it and completing it and that quite excited me. It also validated that I was okay, Mm. which I didn't feel. Um, So I spent my life trying to do things that make me feel a bit better about myself, if I'm honest. Um, And sometimes I do things that require, you know, I'd stand on stage. I'm a shy person. It's only occurred to me last week. Why Why do I do the job I do? Well, I'm getting attention, which is really embarrassing to admit. But maybe that, stuff just doesn't leave you if you grow up in that environment it sort of stays with you for a while um I'll grow out of it I hope at some point but yeah the, the the interesting time that I had growing up actually served me really really well because I became really resilient super determined mega focused um it doesn't always play out so well in every part of your life but on the whole it served me very well And I love proving to myself that I can do something I didn't think I could do because human beings are phenomenal. We are capable of such great things. And I quite like tapping into it and finding out what I can and can't do. And, you know, I am rubbish at an awful lot of things. But there's some things I surprise myself, and that's quite a nice feeling.
0: I absolutely recognize where you're coming from because uh, a couple of – Things you said that really struck a chord with me. I mean, it was very different, yet a couple of similarities. You know, because of course, for me, you know, I had I had my parents supporting me when I was eight and when I got got diagnosed with this eye condition, which basically took away my central vision overnight. Uh, but for different reasons, I, I, I it almost feels like the attention part was such a big thing I was chasing after, and I got it through stand up and um I still love it. <laughs> I still love the attention. But do you, do you feel because for me I, I I for the longest time I needed validation from people to feel like I'm normal because I felt that uh being visually impaired and not being able to see and losing such a, an important um sense uh, makes you feel lost in many ways but also makes you feel inadequate, right? So did did you feel some of that? Did you did it, and do you still feel like you missed out on your childhood and you want to reload that or want to create a childhood for yourself again and you're doing it subconsciously through these things?
1: Um I don't know. I I don't know any different. I I have mm. like you don't know any different. You don't yeah. know what your life would have been like had your site been very different. We just mm-hmm. don't know. We live with the experience we have and we deal with it. Yeah. Um what I did have was the opportunity to raise two children um and I was able to do it not in the way that I was raised, and mm. that was, you know, I didn't have any role model, but I certainly knew what, how I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And probably as a result, I've gone to the other end of the spectrum, probably spoiled <laughs> my children too much. But yeah. Um, yeah. I can, you can only talk, I can only talk about the life we've led. Yeah. I, I can't even begin to imagine how anything might have been. It's sort of pointless, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you deal with what you've got, you make the best of what you've got, and, and it manifests itself in surprising ways so you might not have known when you were on stage doing your comedy stuff that you were seeking attention but you know years later or whatever you reflect and you think oh I wonder if that's what it was all about right yeah and I
0: say it you know because it was such a it was such a high when I was on stage but when I look back now and I think you're right no point speculating what if right what if this had happened there's no not in your control the past or not the I mean not the future but It's interesting because when I look back at what stand up served in a form of helping me make uh, recognize some things, make peace with certain things, um, it it gave me it gave me perspective of why I was doing it, what it helped me sort of face within myself and what um, and whether I needed to continue to do it, because, you know, Uh, We think sometimes when we commit to a career or or, or an art form, we have to do for the rest of our lives because it it means an expression of what we are and who we are. And we're so uh, automatically bound by that identity that we're scared of losing it, especially if we start getting good at it or famous at it. Like if because I had this fear. Like if, I, if I don't get on stage, if I'm not no longer a comedian and this sort of happened before just around the lockdown, right? Because many of us couldn't work during that time. I'm like, oh my God, if I'm not performing, if I don't have shows, I'm, 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 you know, I'm irrelevant. I mean, Sandeep Rau, the person's gone. Like then I realized, hey, as a person who I am and what I do are two different things. Yeah, there may be, um, a, what I do is a reflection of who I am, but it, you know, doing badly at that or doing well at that doesn't undermine me as a human being. And it took a lot of thinking back at why I was doing this to understand that. So yes, while I think speculating what if I hadn't this thing, I, I wasn't, I don't go down that path because you said I don't know any better. But I think understanding this gave me a lot of clarity as to what I want to do. So it may not, no longer make me stand up, but I, I enjoy talking to people now. So uh, I find that refreshing and I found that quite um Pardon the pun, but an eye opener uh, in in understanding that you know.
1: Yeah, and I, I <laughs> I'm struggling here because I'm full of contradictions. Mm-hmm. So if you take my job away, I would feel really empty. It right. sort of does define me, and I mm-hmm. I kind of wish it didn't sometimes. But but actually, I love my life. My life is fantastic. I get right. to travel over the place, meet amazing people. So I I don't know that me and what I do maybe they're inextricably linked Mm. I'm not very you know maybe I've got a bit of ADHD I'm not very good at sitting still Mm. I can't watch through a whole film without getting really fidgety and (laughs) that's just me yeah Um, I don't really want to change it it means I get loads done I mean I've always got something to fix or you know I've done up loads of houses and you know do my garden and stuff. So I'm always busy doing stuff because I like being busy. I don't really mm. want that to change. Mm. Um, nice. And my nice. job suits me so well because I love travel. I love people. I love the connections that I make. And I, I am so unbelievably blessed that my life has turned out the way it has. I pinch myself most days of the week thinking, <laughs> how did this all go so well? Um, and that sounds
0: amazing, you know, because there's absolutely – uh, I I feel happy for you when I hear that because as I, it just the, it it just gave me a lot of peace when I started making the distinction because it got to a place where I would see other people getting bigger shows bigger deals and I would feel bad as a person uh, and 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 it, beyond the comedian I would feel inadequate as a human being and that started bothering me so the distinction helped me make sense that you know what yeah, you can do what you're doing, enjoy it, love it, and do it well. And, of course, um, that's, you know, something that I enjoyed as well. But I think for me, just just, just to give me a little bit of a grip on, um, you know, my mental state, <laughs> I needed to make the distinction, and it helped. But um, I, I, what I want to understand from you is when you do so many things and you're good at so many things, and you mentioned a few minutes back that you said there's some things you're not so good at, uh, how, how do you – Uh, face new challenges do you take them up because you want to prove to yourself that you can do it or do you do things that you enjoy and you do it for the rush so how do you kind of create new opportunities and new experiences for yourself
1: I'm quite a competitive person I always thought I wasn't at school Mm -hmm. I avoided any kind of sport or competition because I was rubbish at everything and I was rubbish at that you know all, the, in my, all my lessons I was rubbish so I didn't think I was competitive at all and then of course I discovered that, <laughs> actually I'm super competitive I yeah. quite like to beat people because it makes me feel good it's that's just one of those things it um and, and I can't get away from that um what was, and what was your question now I forgot what you said
0: now I want to understand what what drives you to take up new challenges oh, yeah. because you've achieved a lot uh when it comes to proving to yourself of course uh and people recognize that and appreciate that but uh do you still do it because you want new uh, kind of challenges to conquer mm. or is it just the the, the the being busy doing things that pushes you?
1: Well, I, don't forget that I I can't sit still. So um, yeah. if I've done something, achieved something, i run a marathon or, um, you know, a bit boxed in a fight, mm-hmm. I can't just sit down and go, oh, well. I'm on to the next thing. What could I do next? So I signed up to row the Atlantic last year, and wow, okay, um, you know that actually has fallen through. But it's something I still do. There's another challenge in, in the back of my mind. I'm trying to make happen. I just, just itchy to do exciting things. I just don't want to sit and watch telly for the rest of my life. I just enjoy, yeah, getting out there, testing myself. Doesn't matter if I'm rubbish, mm. but I'll whatever I'm doing, I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to go to a new place. I'm going to learn stuff I didn't know yesterday. I like accumulating knowledge and mm. having a peek into other people's worlds. And, you know, some, some amazing people doing amazing jobs that you don't even know exist. And, yeah. you know, I'm just, I've got a curious mind, competitive mind, a little bit of ADHD, maybe. <laughs> um, I just get, yeah, I get bored quickly. Mm. So, having something to aim for and i'm quite strategic i suppose when i start a challenge i I will break it down into everything you know everything's possible Mm. in order to make this possible what do i need to do so maybe i need to go to the gym and work on my arms more or maybe i need to to run faster or maybe i need to um learn to be to breathe or whatever it might be Mm. I break out down my challenge whether it's physical professional emotional personal whatever what do I need to do to make sure this is going to go my way Mm. there's no guarantee it's going to go my way but at least I know that I pretty much thought through it all I like that sort of thinking what are all the possibilities here what could go wrong what could go right what's my weakness what do I need to work I just enjoy that process so um, if it's the right kind of challenge and i've just entered something in london um in november this this year and i'm already terrified because <laughs> it's going to be so hard but i'm just going to break it down into all the components that will ensure that one i get through it i'm i'm not going to be very competitive in this because i'm too old but yeah it's it's i enjoy that process of setting a goal and achieving it breaking it down understanding where i'm likely to fall down and trying to, trying to make some kind of change so that things go my way.
0: Mm.
1: That's just my crazy brain. That's how it works.
0: No, that's, I think that's quite remarkable because, you know, you said that when you um, got an opportunity to rally, that was sort of life changing for you. And yeah. And I want to understand what that feels like because, you can go years, you know, as you said, you know, bouncing off the walls, you can do various things. You I mean, your story panned out the way it did, but everyone has a similar thing. And in, in an increasingly, um, I wouldn't say connected, but an increasingly uh, digitized thing where everyone has access, you kind of hear only of the stories where people only, oh, they found their passion. Next thing they climb the mountain and they're such, you know, again, going back to that earlier point of inspiration. But um, there are people who don't find this, for you mm. rallying or for me speaking to people, which in any form of that stand up or podcasting, it just gives me joy to do it. Um, and some people don't find that for, and, and they feel miserable as a result because everywhere they look around, the message is there's something wrong with you because you haven't found your passion. You're doing a dead end job. What's wrong with you? And it's pretty disheartening. Um, so so maybe there are two aspects to this side, right? What what did you feel when you were rallying? Like what was the the, the environment like? What was going on in your mind? Because you, you you did say that you went through a lot of um days and years where you were completely lost and you went down a path that mm-hmm. you're glad you got out of. But maybe two things. Yeah, one was what was that going on in your mind and what did it feel like that switch when you did get to rally with your your teammate and your entire team yeah. supporting you? And Maybe we can extend that to after you talk about that to um, how you break that down now when you meet new people and try to help them. So maybe we can take the first. So I,
1: I, you, you have to put it in the context of my growing up years. I was not comfy in my own skin. I didn't mm. really know who I was, what I stood for, what what was the point of me because mm. I just felt very um, alone and ignored. And yeah, I just felt really worthless. And I ran away from everyone and everything for many, many years. And then I got in a rally car. It was the first time in my life I felt like I belonged somewhere. Mm. And that was what drew me in. I felt like this is my world. <laughs> oh, thank God I found it. You know, I, I was mm. quite surprised because I didn't think I'd ever fit in anywhere, feel comfortable doing anything or ever run towards something rather than away. And so that's what drew me in. I wasn't very good, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. It took me quite a long time to to get better. But I just found myself in an environment where I felt comfortable. And I get quite distressed when I meet people who are so uncomfortable or unhappy that their lives have no purpose. That I mean, most people, I think, want a life that is purposeful. And that mm-hmm. could be on the... On a big scale, you know, you could be president of the United States or you could be, you know, dog walking for a job. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what end of the spectrum. If if you find purpose in your day, you tend to work harder. You tend to bounce back quicker from setbacks. You have a reason. You have a point to it all. And I think having a point is is pretty critical to our joy and happiness and function. The people that that are purposeless, if that's a word,
0: mm. sure,
1: they do feel a bit lifeless and a bit kind of lost at sea, don't they? They're just mm. it's as if you know I used to work in a prison, and these are the people that spring to my mind who were were looking down the barrel of twelve years in prison, mm. you know at just how hopeless and depressing that must feel, I don't know. But then there were some guys who found a purpose in those 12 years. They studied, they took degrees, or they went and worked in the kitchens, became chefs. They still found a purpose, even in that though they were in the most desperate, awful situation. So for me, people reflecting on what drives, I call it your source of success, my source of success was to get my father's attention. For most of us, we have something Running deeply underneath us, through us, that drives us on and gives us the mental toughness we need to get through the adversity that we will all inevitably face every day, so life being purposeful to me is the secret mm. to happiness <laughs> um and it doesn't have to be a big purpose at all but yeah the the guys you describe, the people you described that are sort of um sad, pessimistic, sort of dead inside. Mm. I, th- I think it's because they they haven't found their purpose or considered that they're worthy of one. I don't know. But um, I, I, that's my take on it. I don't know if I'm right, but that's, that's how I view it.
0: You know, when you were talking about what you just did, it um, made me want to ask you, is there a sense that, Things have gotten too comfortable for too many people because it, and, and I'm not, of course, making a blanket statement. There's a lot of, you know, tough uh, situations for people right now in the world. But I feel, I, I, I agree with you, you know, that when, when uh, like for you, for, in, for, for example, in your case, you, you were dealt certain cards by life, which were not easy and you were forced to do things that, you didn't plan to do, of course, and I don't think anyone who wants to grow up has that plan for them. But life gave you what what it gave you. And you, as a result, are where you are because of certain things that happened and didn't happen. But what I'm seeing is this idea of being thrown into the deep end, if you want to call it, or, or being um, forced to face your life, gives you this sense of either... I mean, it can go either way, right? You could either... Uh, it could, could, could have gone completely differently if you didn't find the, the purpose in rallying, but you did. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I sense that if things are comfortable and they're easy, I wouldn't say easy in the conventional way, but if you get a job, you get money, you get, and, mm. and you go down that path. I don't know if you're forced to face the situations, which can actually make you find your purpose and live uh, or not, you know, because other other side of the coin is that you can just totally you know, be faced with these, us to confront these demons, if you want to call it, and not make it. And there are a lot of people who do that. But there are a lot of people like you who do face your, um, the circumstances that you're dealt with and get to where you are today. So, um I don't know, this is an observation, not so much as a question. But yeah, I, I sense now more and more people being comfortable sitting behind their computers, uh, who are unhappy? I don't know. Uh, haven't found that purpose, and as a result, uh, look at people who 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 do uh, enjoy uh, whatever they're doing. Maybe, as you said, a dog walk or the president, and they find that extremely uncomfortable and they find that extremely unfair and they want to get upset and offended by it they they, they, they look at me i'm the victim and and i see more of that happening right there are so many earlier a victim is someone who's been wronged and who's been discriminated against who's been hurt but now a victim is someone who doesn't get enough you know (laughs) quote-unquote attention
1: (laughs) yeah 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 i mean i think i think if we're honest most people probably seek safety comfort a safe comfortable life that's predictable i know that if i do this this, will happen. That makes makes me comfortable. I don't really want to get out of my comfort zone. I don't really want to stretch myself. I don't really want to find out what I'm capable of. I just quite like easy. I quite like comfortable. And I think that would be for that's probably a, a, applicable to most people, maybe. Yeah. Um because it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm quite comfortable with not easy. I quite like stretching myself. I quite like getting out of my comfort zone. I quite like finding out what I'm capable of. I thought everyone was like that all my life. And then I realized, actually, they're not. People mm. people will create as comfortable an environment as they possibly can, because then they can predict the outcomes of their days. It means le- perhaps less stress, perhaps less pressure. If I know that if I keep on doing this today, this will probably happen tomorrow. And I'm quite happy with that. I don't want more than that. I'd rather. So you or I, you know, you, you, you go on stage as a comedian, you're putting yourself in the lion's den. It it could go horribly wrong. And you've probably had events that died a death.
0: Yeah. Um, And that's the the price. (laughs) That's the
1: price you pay for putting yourself out there. And most people don't, don't like that. They don't want to go there. Mm. So, you know, I can do my nine to five and I can earn so much per hour. And I know that I can afford that and I can't afford that. And that's, that's fine for me. I that that I just want to push myself a bit more than that I I'm not the easy breezy you know comfortable person I enjoy getting out there and I'm really no problem with with failing at mm. all it's just take it in your stride you know you always learn something you know they say there's no such thing as failure just just a lesson um so I'm I'm quite comfortable with that and you know, even if I can encourage somebody to push themselves an inch, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a mile, they, they'll probably get some sense of satisfaction from realising that they're more capable than they thought, uh, yeah. surprising themselves. It's a nice feeling when you think, wow, wow, did I do that? Yeah. I'm amazing. <laughs> um, and it could be the smallest thing. So, yeah, I think I I like uncomfortable I suspect most people don't.
0: Interesting. Because, you know, you're right. The stage shows, it it does cause some, you know, stress or anxiety when you're like, you don't know how the outcome is going to be. Because it, it could be a perfect set, but the audience just doesn't get you. They don't like the performer you are or the things you're saying. And it just doesn't work. There's so many moving parts. But, yeah, while that did create some form of anxiety for me, I'm now at home. I don't do as many stage shows. I haven't done a stage show in a long time. And... You know what happens as a result when you're comfortable? There are different things that stress you out. And it, it, yeah. it you know, earlier it was like, oh, I have to catch a flight. I have to go to this city. I don't know where the crowd is. I don't know if who'll be, someone will be able to help me at the airport. I don't know if someone will help me from the airport to the hotel. Who will help me get to the venue? I mean, these are real concerns, but, you know, not. And then you have to worry about how the set is. Am I prepared enough? Will my jokes land? So it, it it's a different list of things. But now I'm like mainly at home with my one year old, and I'm just like, life's good, but then you find the small things to start making you anxious and stressing you out. You start making what if, right? Will I be a good father when she's older? And, and I'm just like, Hmm. So irrespective of where you are and if you're content, if I've chosen to be in this place right now, so I may, I, I really enjoy it. Even though some moments, you know, I'm like, what are you doing with yourself? You're sitting at home, you're 40, you should be doing more, but I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be with her at this age when she's still so, Um, small and I want to enjoy that time with her before she goes to school and before I get back to doing what I'm doing but I can see where being too comfortable can make you um, make I think a lack of resilience or a lack of seeing adversity can also make you really uh, settle for mediocrity and live a half-life in some way
1: well they say no adversity no growth Mm. we are you know it doesn't matter whether you're looking after a one-year-old which is full of its challenges particularly with you know if you're blind yeah I take my hat off I mean I can't even imagine I mean my it.
0: wife does all of it uh, I just sort of step in with uh, uh, tips I hear on podcasts I'm like Nivs you should do this she's like shut up if you can't help hands-on don't give me tips from the internet <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it, it, it's it's phenomenal, but, you know, no adversity, no growth. We are all faced with challenges every single day. Yours mm. will be different to mine, but yeah. they're not going away anytime soon. You know, it, it's, we're going to be faced with challenges till the day we, we die. And I don't mind that prospect. Um, and some people can't bear it. They, yeah. they just don't want to be challenged. And, and unfortunately, that's just how it is. Mm. And, you know, the concept of embracing change for a lot of people is awful. Most people resist change at all costs, don't they? I quite like change. I quite like Mm -hmm. having to look at things in a new way. Um, you know, changing my perspective on something that I thought I knew about and then I'm actually, nope. I've got to look at this in a completely different way if I'm going to get through it. So yeah, the, the, the challenges are, will be relentless and whether they're being at home with a one-year-old while you're blind or speaking on the stage to to lots of people talking about mental toughness or or running a marathon or whatever it is, they will all throw up different challenges. But for me, and I can only speak for me, I get excited at a bit of a challenge. I quite like finding the nugget of gold in the challenge or something exciting about this problem. Um, That's what what lights my fire. And I, I totally get that lots of people don't feel like that. I might do it on a bigger scale, but, you know, if somebody could perhaps, you know, whatever challenge, you know, anyone listening right now has, however big or small, with the right approach, with the right attitude towards it, could actually get quite exciting to fix it, turn it around, make the outcome go a very different way. Um, Hmm. That's that's what pleases me, what thrills me when I see people – the most unlikely people sometimes take something that could knock them down and they flip it around and they can just sort of bounce back into the fight. I, I just think human beings are amazing and I, I just don't like seeing amazingness wasted. Yeah. <laughs> it seems such a shame.
0: And what I you know, I, what I really admire about you is that um, you know, you, you, you got that big win, which is the rally the break in rallying and the rally championship and winning. And anyone could have just been like, you know what? I've done it. I'm just going to now spend the rest of my life talking about it, uh, because it's it's good to do that, right? Relive those experiences and go around on tours talking about it. But you don't stop there, right? What, what I, you you don't, you know? And it's so easy to just be comfortable in that victory. But you, what what I admire these two things about change and challenges is it's not easy, as you said, but it's what. Um, I really respect because you're willing to let go of a success and enter a new thing which might not be the same success maybe not even as much a success may not even be a success might be an absolute failure maybe um you'd set you back but you don't see it as a set set you back moment where you're going back to a certain version so first of all i really respect that and i want to understand um do you do these things, when you do these things, not do you do these things, but when you do these things, uh, whether it's run a marathon after, you know, going on a world tour of talking or giving these talks to say this new thing you have planned in November, uh, is it is it, a, is it a challenge, as you've already said, which you enjoy, or is it something that you feel contributes to your growth as a human being?
1: Well, it has to contribute to my growth because... By trying something new, I'll learn something new. That's me growing. Right. (laughs) So it's inevitable. Um, I I really don't mind having a go at something something and being rubbish at it. I I can't fail. I'm just going to come out better off because I learned something I didn't know before. So I'm I'm able to sort of reframe failure every time as, no, that's good. I uh, come out with it with more information, more knowledge. So I Mm -hmm. I welcome that. Um, I'm also you know, I think I got a little bit addicted to adrenaline. (laughs) When I was driving, it was such an exciting, I can't even begin to describe how exciting for me. Mm. And then to walk away from that, you know, and a lot of sports people find this, you know, when their sporting world ends, their life seems to end and it's devastating for, yeah. for sports people. But I went straight from driving into TV and that was high adrenaline for me. And then when the TV finished, I'm speaking or I'm boxing or climbing mountains or whatever. There's always I'm always chasing a little bit of an adrenaline rush, I think. I'm not sure how healthy that is, but it's me. Um, mm. And that's not going away yet. I'm not, and I guess it will do one day, but mm. uh, it's not yet.
0: <laughs> but, but I read about your rally thing. It really got me excited because, um, believe it or not, but I love um, cars. I'm, in fact, trying to push it away because it, at one point it got to such a problem where I would feel so crap about myself because I was like, the only thing I wanted to do was drive um and it really bothered me growing up and I just I, I don't know what it was right it wasn't like a competitive rallying or competitive uh motorsports but it's just that I wanted I think I wanted the power that a car or a bike will give and more a car than a bike for me it's that power of independence right like you feel like doing something you can get in a car and you can go somewhere and I never felt that uh because I always needed to ask someone and it was great I had the opportunity of asking a person at home to drive me around a friend would help me but there's some sense of power that comes with and freedom that comes with mobility in, in 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 a vehicle, right? And of course, then you add it to the competitive sport of motorsports. It's just mind-blowing. And um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I've done some stupid shit, which I shouldn't have done, which is like try to rally on our uh, streets in our neighborhood and, and crash the car a couple of times. It was a small 800cc Suzuki uh, four-wheeler car. And fortunately, no one got hurt, but... um. Yeah, so then you know the strange thing is when, when in 2014 I wanted to buy my wife a car, and, and this is just before we got married, and I ended up buying her a Fiat Abarth. I'm sure you've heard of the Abarth racing thing and rallying, and I was just so proud. I was like, "Oh, I've got my uh wife a quote-unquote rally car, which we can't really use." But it's just I, I, I love the idea of motorsports, and uh, you know now I just kind of respect it for what it is, and the people who do it, and the people who are competitive in it, but. Um, I'm glad you know that I went through that because it was a borderline obsession and I would watch every Formula One race this when Michael Schumacher was big with those days and I even would watch um, these demo rally races that would come to Bangalore in this open field where we had the you know the Indian rally teams like show demonstrate their cars and uh, it was it was brilliant but the reason for me why driving was so important and was so held this kind of awe and appeal was because of this idea of freedom and it, I love hearing it through your story as well. It's just, it's so amazing that uh, a sport can do that to, for a human being, you know.
1: The, there is nothing quite like passing your driving test yeah. and driving away from the test center going, I'm free. <laughs> yeah. I've contr- I You know, you, that, you're absolutely right. That sense of freedom and mobility. I can go anywhere yeah. on my terms. And I remember that sense of freedom. So I remember that, the, like it was yesterday, the day I passed my test. Um, and of course then that, that accelerated through driving and then it all gets into another level of excitement, of course. Um but I it's funny, I, I used to teach rally driving and one of the exercises we did was blind driving. Hmm. And it was an exercise to build trust. So we it was a it was a team building thing and some the driver would be blindfolded, or in your case, blind. Yeah, and just just it folded. Was, it, <laughs> <laughs> just folded. Um just just the job of the the passenger or the co driver to describe um, the road, mm. and the it, it was an exercise to build trust. Mm. And, and as you can imagine, in a car, that's quite a big ask because the accident can be big. Um, it was all slow slow speed stuff, I have to say, but it's an amazing exercise because you know, take away your vision in a car, and you that's quite a challenge. Yeah. Um, and you are entirely reliant on on the trust that you have with the person communicating with you. And then you discover mm. what a rubbish communicator you are and how you've got to take on a very, very different approach to communicate in a way that's helpful to that person. So, um, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying about, about the excitement that comes with driving and the freedom, the sense of freedom.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited I think by 2030 you might hear my name in the World Rally Championship with self-driving you re- cars. You reckon?
1: you reckon? Self-driving
0: cars? <laughs> I won't be
1: driving. <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> have a Tesla drive me around the circuit. <laughs> but I totally uh love the idea of a sport because you know uh for the longest time I played uh, when I was young I used to play golf um but I never admitted that I'm coming from a place where I couldn't see because I have peripheral vision so I used to try to manage somehow but uh last two years back, I got back uh, into the game because we're trying to introduce blind golf in India. And of course, blind golf has various levels of vision. Someone who's, who's got legal blindness, someone like me, who's, um you got no central vision to someone who's completely blind. And when I play it now with this new approach, which is, OK, I'm not going to see the ball. I'm going to feel how my swing and my body are in space and try to understand it, which comes with so many bad sessions at the range where i am just gouged out earth and people are coming with seeds behind me trying to plant new forests. But it, it's just, once you do get an understanding, it's it, I, it's exactly what you just said. It's not about failing, but it's about learning something new about yourself, about the yes. environment, about people. And I love it. And that's why it struck such a chord with me when you spoke about it in that. And there are days where you're just like, oh, I hate the game. But um I'm not, you know kind of sitting and languishing, going, oh, I'll never be a success. And I never go to the range to finish that session going, I'm ready for the course. I go because I enjoy that session. And, you know, some mm. some range days are good where I've connected the ball. I've made some good swings and a good consistent strike rate. But then there are some days where it's just horrible, but I still go back. And I think that's something that I recognize in what you just said. It's it's about doing it because it gives the, the, the act of doing gives you a sense of joy and uh, a sense of learning, as opposed to the outcome of that doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and of course, take away your vision, and every other sense gets heightened. And mm. you know, if if I if I'm if I I'm rubbish at golf, but if I was doing a golf swing, and I you took my vision away, I'd be concentrating much more on my posture, which is mm. probably what you should do with vision. So, yeah. in some ways, it might really aid your golfing swing in this instance, um, because your, your senses, are, uh, your attention is going to other stuff that's important and what you can see might be a distraction in a sense to, to your technique. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't surprise me to hear what you're saying. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I didn't realize you had some peripheral vision, so that's, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, see. no. And, and
0: that's a strange thing, you know, I've always been interested with my uh, with my uh, condition, which is not a condition like, oh, it's a condition, but um, I meet people who are completely blind, who've got ninth level nine piano training, they've, they've done swimming, and I have another friend who's got a similar eye condition to me, but he lost um, a lot more of a central vision later on in life. And he does scuba diving. I, 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 the idea of being underwater with a, with a pipe in my mouth and a tank on me terrifies no, me because I watched, jo- yeah. Yeah, I watched Jaws when I was 10 and nah, no, I'm not getting into a pool with that tank on, you know. But, and that that's something which you just said, which is also what I'm trying to get to is you can have 10 people who are, different levels of visual impairment or any kind of disability lined up but you can't take away each person's story because each person has something that drives them which is different and I feel what's happening today is that you take those people and say the disabled community is inspiring and I find that very wrong because you're minimizing each individual's potential and each individual's capacity to live and you're making it into one box of a disability which takes away so much of humanity right
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm not disabled, so I can't speak on my marvel. It could be anything,
0: right? It could be any, any group. But
1: you're, but you're absolutely right. You know, when I was competing, for example, you know, I was one girl in hundreds of men. Yeah. I think it was never about gender. I just want to beat everyone. It's not, I don't give me special treatment. I don't want to, I don't want anything to be different. I just want to, I just want to beat everyone. Don't care where they're coming from. So that kind of diversity thing can be, um, can sometimes be almost better when it's stripped away. Yeah, and the focus but how do you deal with that? The-
0: because you are a woman, and you know, I, and I salute you not just for the fact that you're a woman who did a men's sport and did really well at it, but just for the individual you are and the human being you are. And, but what do you make of this conversation? Well, like everyone's this like, is,
1: "This is dangerous territory," because I'm not going to say what most people would want me to say or expect me to say, which is, I'm, I'm not, I'm not somebody who bangs on the woman drum. Um, you know, am I a feminist? No, I'm an equalist. I just, I know there's no such word as equal, but I just, I'm so black and white about this stuff. You know, whoever you are, whatever you are, cool. One, I'm not like you. You're not like me. That's cool. That's absolutely fine. Let's celebrate our differences. But let's all then um, work with what we've got. And you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I go to events and the the. The diversity issues, you know, being talked about everywhere. I'm like, well, why mm. are you having a women's networking event if you're banging on about diversity? This just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Let's be diverse or yeah. not. Yeah. So what, you know, there's so many contradictions going on out there. So I'm just in, you know, everyone up for everything. And, you know, we can, we could focus too much on, on, on small groups of people or bigger groups of people, but actually we could just, celebrate everyone for who they are just make it easier on ourselves you
0: know and I feel this is a way of pointing the finger at someone when you say oh you know you might Sandeep talk about um, why you, you know you just go ahead and do it because you have the support system you have the privilege and I'm like I do but I just choose to right I mean it's almost like there are certain things that are demonized because it doesn't suit them but there's a certain stereotype of a group that if it doesn't agree with that person and I mean that person being whoever these people are who are kind of up in arms about the injustice and the patriarchy, whatever it may be, it's, it's almost like they have a place for each group. And if that group steps out or an individual in that group steps out of line from that thing they've created, they need to be canceled. They need to be uh, put back in their place. They need to be, you know, they need to be spoken to sternly. (laughs) And I find that absolutely ridiculous. And this
1: is, this is a conversation that probably more people would like to have. but Everyone's too scared to right now. I'm too scared to, because I don't know, The backlash. If I say the wrong thing and I'm not out to upset anyone, I'm not out to um, insult anyone or offend anyone. Absolutely not. Yeah. But some people get easily offended these days, and that to me is a problem. Because as Ricky Gervais, I heard saying the other day, you know, that's you can. It's okay for you to say how you feel, but I, you don't have, you don't have to tell me what I can and can't say. But it's okay for you to feel insulted or feel offended. That's fine. Yeah. But I wasn't out to offend you. Um that was that's that would never be my my aim. So it's it's a really difficult conversation to have right now. And yeah most people aren't- I asked
0: you that uh, not to put you on the spot or to cut this clip and make it clickbaity and none of that. Uh, because I believe this kind of con- conversation and context and drawn out and with the background of who you are and me sharing my side of the story just is what it needs to be done, right? Because you're not sitting on this podcast with any, um, you know, raising or bearing any flag saying this is a group I represent, but it's your story. And I, and, and that's, and again, I, I'm going to say it. I, I really admire it because you're not focusing on the wins. You're not focusing the outcome, but you're focusing on what gives you a sense of, joy and what pushes you and what and 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 that's what I really enjoy listening to right is when someone says you know this is the life I've been given this is what I made of it and this is what continues to make help me make sense of it and gives me uh, as you said purpose to go forward because there's no point you trying to live someone else's life there's no point you Mm -hmm. apologizing for what you've done and there's no point you trying to say you know what because of this circumstance because of my situation my family I'm like this there's no point because you said it up top and I'm so glad you did and I'm addressing it again now because I think that's essentially why uh, it's so important to have stories like you and people like you sharing your stories and yeah I really respect that
1: well we know everyone's given a a difficult hand in life everyone yeah (laughs) pretty much and you just you just deal with it and you find your way around it throw it over it under it whatever I mean (laughs) that's everybody's challenge every day and you can do that with some enthusiasm and some energy or with a kind of woe is me stance. And I know which I would rather.
0: Yeah. And I think you're doing it just by example. And uh, Penny, I want to ask you before we wind up. So you you said you have two children. Um, so what is their, I wouldn't say perspective, but when they see you doing this, um, how do they, what what do they take away from it? What, what's your influence on them? Because it must be quite amazing having a mother who's constantly pushing herself in whatever space, right? And not pushing to be recognised for it, but pushing because she does it, and that's what gives her well, a sense. They, of
1: might, things, they so. might not say it's amazing having a mum like. Me.
0: Okay, no, now What? Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I don't know what you'd have to ask them, but my mm-hmm. my what well, I see, and this might not be what they would say, but um, my youngest daughter is an extraordinarily successful artist, um, and is has the most fantastic work ethic and she's got that from me, which I'm okay. really proud of she she doesn't like to stop working she works early in the morning till late at night she works all weekends she's just really really passionate about what she does and I've sort of drummed into her uh, certain things and I'm now seeing them play out which is just wonderful. Nice. My other nice. daughter actually works for me and so she comes a, a, around the world with me and sees me speak and and it's lovely because she's she's proud but she's very critical. And she'll always say, What did you say that for? That was rubbish. And you were much better (laughs) last week. Well, you know, and, and, and I quite like it because it makes me sharpen up my, because there's no, (laughs) she doesn't have to edit what she's saying to me. She says it absolutely as she means it. So she's very direct. Um, and her confidence has grown and she's meeting people that she would never dream of meeting or in an ordinarily, you know, in another life. So, I see all different characters. And of course, two children from the same house, very different. Mm. And that's not unusual. I see qualities in them that I'm super, super proud of. And, you know, I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have a role model as a mother. I had to just sort of blag it and work it out. I went and I've made some massive errors, as I'm sure every parent out there would agree. They have to trial and error, but ultimately they're their own people. I, I can only influence them to a degree. And then the rest of it is bless them them creating their life, which is beautiful to see um, their lives sort of un- unfolding into you know, what's now interesting for me to, rather than me raising them. We're now more like friends, and we just sort of enjoy a lot of good times together. We're all about to go on holiday, actually, which is uh, really, really looking forward to that. So that they're beautiful people. That's the most important thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. No, I think it's it's really really nice to hear that. And uh, Penny, I think it's been it's been eye opening. It's been heartwarming. It's also been like a lot of things as I told you, have struck a chord with me and therapeutic. Uh, therapeutic. It's been lovely. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I think um, you know, it's, 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 I'm so glad you uh, agreed to do this. But uh, all the best going forward for yourself. Thank and, you. And, you know, good and luck you. For, thank you. And and I hope you have a good holiday and best wishes to your family and. Thanks again for being with with me here today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode.